Welcome to the show. Before we get started, I want to point you to www.blackriflecoffee.com for the freshest, most American cup of coffee you'll ever have. If you're buying coffee off the shelf and you ever have thought to yourself, wow, I enjoy my coffee, get ready to not enjoy that store-bought grocery store sitting on the shelf for three months coffee because Black Rifle Coffee has got you covered. When you place an order, then they roast the beans and then they priority mail it to you. You get it two, three days later, and that is the freshest bean you're going to get. You can buy it whole bean. You can buy it ground. I personally buy whole bean, grind it myself just enough for a few cups a day. And uh, my favorite's the uh, Five Alarm, which really is just a great cup of coffee. It's a medium roast, full of flavor, and really gets you going in the morning. Just Black is a very safe spot to start with uh looking at their different flavor profiles. So go check them out. Um, again, it's www.blackriflecoffee.com. And they do have a subscription service where what I have is every other month I get two bags of my favorite coffee. Uh, I was doing it every month, but then I had some traveling and then I was spending some time at another office where I was drinking their Black Rifle Coffee. And uh, I got behind, so now I'm semi-monthly, but I'm very sure, very confident that's going to go back to every single month. Um, but then you never have to think about buying coffee again. It's one of those things... One of the reasons I love any sort of subscription service, I sign up for every subscription I can because one, yeah, sure, maybe it's a little bit more expensive than what I'll buy at Walmart or my local grocery store, but you're supporting a small business with small business families, and Black Rifle Coffees is extra special when it comes to that because they are veteran-owned, mostly veteran-operated. They, uh, they, You might have heard of them when Starbucks came out and said they wanted to hire like 10,000 refugees. I wonder how they're doing on that, by the way. But then Black Rifle came out, Evan Hafer, the CEO, and said, we want to hire 10,000 veterans over like five years. Very, very lofty goal for a small coffee company, but they're pushing towards it every single day by hiring more and more veterans. And not only do they hire veterans, they're owned and operated by, by veterans, but also a portion of every single bag of coffee that you buy from Black Rifle goes to support law enforcement agencies, first responder agencies, and of course, uh, veterans agencies. Most notably, locally, we have Warrior's Heart, and they have a retreat center for um, for veterans that have uh, PTSD from combat situations. They bring them out there, and they um, they just engage with them, and they, they help them through the darkest moments of their life. It's a beautiful thing. They gave Warrior's Heart their own coffee roast. So if you want to support a, a nonprofit by supporting a great business with a great product, you can buy a Warrior's Heart roast. And those those funds go to help to help a, a great, great nonprofit here in Texas. So again, check them out. Check out their subscription service. I guarantee you, first taste, you will, you will know the difference between that and the crap you're buying at the grocery store. Check it out. www blackriflecoffee.com don't have a promo code to give you but if you know somebody who works there with any sort of decision making maybe maybe point them towards the uh, the point b podcast <laughs> so let's get into your midweek update welcome to the show this is the point b podcast we've got your midweek update here this week i say it every episode this week was nuts um every time i turn on my microphone i feel like i'm leaving something out so uh with that being said, if, if you're you're just looking for someone sharing some of the big articles that maybe the mainstream news networks aren't putting out, of course there are tons of people out there within the uh, the offshoot news media outlets that you can follow. Might I suggest the Point B Podcast Facebook page? 
when I see these articles that I it's almost I'll tell you it started out and this is going to be a, a, a little bit long intro sorry but I made a decision um, around the time of November 3rd that I was done posting politics to my personal Facebook page just because of the, the damage that some that politics can have on personal relationships business relationships of course so I decided to, to refrain and I've done about a 99.9% job of keeping politics off my personal page. But what I did is I started sharing politics uh, and news um, articles, things like that, to the podcast page. So that's where you'll get my rants. That's where you'll get my uh, unsolicited opinion on pretty much everything. So check that out. Point me podcast on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I don't, don't do a whole lot there. Uh, I stopped the whole Twitter thing. We're on Parlor. Uh, you have to follow my personal page for now, which is B Esparza Seven B E S P A R Z A and the number seven on Parlor. And uh, that app is taken off. I'm, I'm loving how much content there is now that is not just politics. So that's really cool to see. That being said, this week, of course, the number one uh, topic on everybody's minds is the Supreme Court refusing refusing to hear the uh, Texas case regarding the election. We'll get into that. Uh, Donald Trump talking again, as he has been for a while now, about, quote, declassify everything, end quote. What does that look like? There's a few ideas I have, uh, a couple articles I'll point you to there. Uh, and then just going down the thought train, what does an emboldened radical left look like? Uh, I give you some ideas there, as well as maybe a, a piece of evidence about the direction the radical left is heading in a Michigan state rep, Cynthia Johnson, who had some choice words for what she called Trumpers. I'm curious who she loops or lumps into that box. Um, and then we'll close with an infuriating video, uh, but something I, I want to inject a little bit of hope in, into it as well. Uh, the article uh, that I'm citing here is a California health inspector cite a closure order to restaurant owner live on camera. Uh, this is a Greek restaurant in LA, I believe, and uh, we'll get into the details, but basically he was told you're out of code, he complied with the new code, and then they revoked his license after one weekend. And it is, it's pretty shocking to watch, so we'll get into all this with our unique take. I'll try to keep the bias out of it, but of course you're starting to see exactly how I feel about certain things, and I think that's important. Uh, for for people in my position to, to be very honest about their biases and uh, so we'll, we'll start there welcome to the show episode 11 this is your midweek update on the point b podcast let's go okay so starting this one out, um, I, I've mentioned it before. I want to reiterate it for those who didn't listen to the first 10 episodes. My whole goal with this podcast is to, one, say what I believe, but then to provide facts wherever possible and present those facts from an unbiased standpoint. So there's kind of, it's twofold, you know, just like the difference between maybe maybe a journalist and a commentator or a, a, a news person uh a news program host versus a commentator. I am a commentator, obviously. Um, I, I'm nowhere near the credentials of being a journalist. Uh, I can barely talk sometimes. But what I do want to do is 
present the facts, give my opinion, and then hopefully as the podcast grows, y'all, the listeners, will get more engaged. I'd love to have people who are just normal people like me uh, who are working in 95 or whatever. I'd love to have people like that on, on the show. We have the technology. It's not hard to do. And that way you can give your opinions. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, the first article is this uh, about the Supreme Court refusing to hear the Texas case. Uh, in, the, in their words, Texas has not shown it has a legal interest in the manner in which another state conducts its, elect, its elections. So, crunching the facts really quickly... As we, I think I mentioned it in episode ten. Texas brought this case. I think at first there was seventeen. Well, Arkansas jumped on immediately. Then there was like seventeen, eighteen. I think it finished at twenty-one states that were um, bringing this case to the Supreme Court of the United States, with Texas having original jurisdiction, meaning they skipped all the lower-level courts. And because it was interstate, because it involved more than one state, it was able to they, they they were able to to make the justification that it should go straight to the supreme court supreme court did not um hear the case on the grounds that texas didn't show that it has a legal interest in how other states conduct their own elections so if you didn't know there is no federal election process part of our constitution is each state conducts its own elections based off of popular vote that popular vote assigns electoral votes to that state based off of the number of people in that state those electoral voters go cast a vote for president of the united states that is intentionally done to keep the states separate from each other's election processes what texas was alleging here is that other states violating their own constitutions nullified or whitewashed or limited the impact of Texas votes, which I thought there was a pretty substantial, uh, there was, they, they had a good case there. I figured the Supreme Court would at least hear it, which they did not. Um, and obviously the Supreme Court does not want to put themselves in the position of deciding elections. And I think that was bottom line. I think that's the reason why they didn't want to hear this one, because that would be groundbreaking right i mean the either way we've talked about it before there may or may not be violence well there already has been violence between uh antifa members and proud boys those types of people um so where do we go from here i think it's important before we start down that road to acknowledge some facts Fact number one being, there are those who pick political teams. Some of them are just normal people. Some of them are wealthy people. Some of them are themselves politicians, of course. And they've decided, I'm on this team. You're on that team. We are destined to hate each other until kingdom come. And then there's those that divide their, uh, they pick sides based off of how they view government. There are those who love big government, and then there's those who want small government. All those voices, they're all valid voices. They deserve to be heard, and they deserve to have a say in the outcome of our elections. So whether you agree with my viewpoints on things or not, I would hope that you could approach this topic understanding that half of the country, just 
felt like their voices were not heard. And that's a dangerous position for the country to be in as a whole. Um, Because it, it boils down to this. How can people feel like they can be heard if 21 states coming together can't even be heard by the Supreme Court? Almost half of the states in this country wanted to be heard by the Supreme Court. Supreme Court did not hear them. So me as a regular citizen, you as a regular citizen, what shot do you have of ever being heard on any sort of wide-scale um, platform? It, it, doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't look well, doesn't look good for people like us who want to be heard when a group of states can't be heard. And then that brings me to my next idea, because my frustration with this whole election process has been those out there who are taking in information, and I'll say largely those in the news media, mainstream media, they're taking in all this information, they're hearing the complaints and the gripes from those on the right, air quotes Trumpers, and they're saying, shut up, sit down, this election's been decided. Well, roughly half the country doesn't believe that. I think it's almost, there was a poll the other day, like 98% or 94% of the Republican registered voters, the Republican Party, feels like this election was not conducted correctly. And that is significant. You can, Well, it's just, of course, the Republicans, whatever. It's like, well, yeah, but how easy would it be for the Republicans then to say that about the Democrats? And they do, and they have, and they will. So we have to bring ourselves, as as we've talked about, this transition of power from the older crowd, the I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, to the new millennial crowd of I'm an American and I need to do what's best for this country. There has to be this emphasis on just doing the right thing. So why are we still saying things like Trump is making baseless claims? I see that all over the place. Baseless claims that there is election fraud. There is real evidence of what might have happened. The problem is, is we can't get past that might have happened because we can't get heard. We can't get the recounts. We can't get the official audits. We can't get the diagnostic reports of the Dominion voting machines. And the ones that we have, where we have gotten real recounts, real investigation into matching signatures, Almost every time there has been, maybe not voter air quotes fraud, but there has been evidence of at, at, at least computer issues, right? I mean, I think it was in Pennsylvania or Georgia where they didn't update the computer systems that were hosting the, uh, the, the voting software. I mean, just alone we hear it all the time you know hey there's security patches coming update your computer i hear that all the time at work so hey you've, there's updates we're pushing out to everybody's laptops do your updates because it includes very important security updates and in many cases in some of these election uh buildings where they're counting these votes that are on usbs they're being plugged into a dell machine and that computer hadn't been updated in over a year so what the hell are you doing if you want to have a, a consistently trustworthy election process why aren't you checking these boxes and doing what just the basic american does with their home desktop it's ridiculous and so those things 
just keep adding fuel to this fire of something might have happened. Can we at least look at the potential? And the answer has been why it's mostly no. The, the key argument of the Texas case was, um, was basically that the, these actions taken by state officials and courts in other states had changed the election procedures to make it easier to vote by mail, I'm quoting, or other methods. It said those changes violated the Constitution's direct direction that the legislature of each state set voting procedures, not governors. And that was one of the big issues is that governors were able to come out and say, hey, we're going to allow an extended period of time for mail-in ballots to come in. Oh, no, you don't. we don't need to match your signature. And then the reasoning for the Supreme Court not to hear this was, well, based on this quote, that if Texas' theory of injury were accepted, it'd be too easy to reframe virtually any election or voting rights dispute as implicating injuries to a state and thereby invoke this court's original jurisdiction. So basically, if Texas was allowed to go through with this case and say that, hey, we don't like how you conducted your election, we're going to overturn those electoral votes. Obviously, the Supreme Court can't go along with that because now you've established precedent that every four years you're okay. Well, oh, damn it, we got to re we got to redo this election. Whatever. So I get it, I do. It's just a shame that I can't imagine the founders didn't input some sort of remedy there as a balance between overthrow the election or do nothing. You know, couldn't it have been said, all right, the Supreme Court is saying we can't decide, given the, the facts that we have on hand, that there was voter fraud or whatever. So let's have recounts or let's appoint a, a congressional committee to look into uh, individual audits of ballots. There's, there's got to be something. Because then guess what? What I have overwhelmingly heard from right-wing commentators, conservative voters, friends, call-ins on radio shows the overwhelming thing i've heard is not let's look at the evidence so that we can decide that trump won obviously most of those people would hope that trump would win at the end of that that uh process but the overwhelming sentiment that i've heard has been can we at least decide was this election conducted correctly or not and if we can say yes all right yeah th there was all this potential for fraud and mistakes over here but I, uh, we we um, overstated those, and actually, once we looked at it again, the election was done well. Biden kicked ass. Cool. That I would feel great about that. In, in today's political climate, I'd feel great about knowing, all right, well, at least the people spoke and the people were heard correctly. But we can't even get to that point, and that's the frustrating part. So now we're at the point where it is looking that, like uh, Biden's going into office, you know, it was frustrating. My Friday episode of last week, uh, I was talking about the Supreme Court case, uh, you know, Texas taking their case to the Supreme Court. And literally, like right after I finished recording, I got a news update that it was like, Supreme Court refuses to hear. Or, you know, it was it was almost immediately after I finished recording, which was frustrating as hell. Um, but now it's Wednesday and we're moving on. <laughs> talking to myself there. Um, so now Donald Trump looking at, okay, He's already setting himself up for a 2024 presidential bid. 
Uh, he's already setting himself up for exiting the White House. There's things he wants to do in this last month before he packs up and leaves. Um, and one of the things he's been hinting at is declassifying stuff. Um, I think somebody tweeted that you know Donald Trump should just start declassifying, and Trump retweeted that tweet and said, that's what I'm doing. So we'll see what that looks like. There was a Hot Air article uh, talking about... I had never heard of this, but a January 26th date, which I think is when um, Biden officially like takes office or something. I'll have to look into that more. Um, but that date being when Biden could simply reclassify everything that Donald Trump would declassify in this month-long period between now and January 20th. Um, but the article does bring up that there's certain things that Donald Trump could declassify that if Biden reclassify them, the optics look terrible on Biden. No, point number one being um, the Hunter Biden scandal. And there, there's a laptop with all the emails. There's a lot of information there that the FBI has been looking at since this time 2019. And declassifying that could reshape the entire narrative of that story, which finally news networks are talking about this what two months later none of this could be discussed right before the election in case you forgot this laptop was found last year it was discovered the fbi had it and all of a sudden there's talks about hunter biden and then bam social media censored it google censored it youtube censored it facebook censored it twitter censored it you couldn't even share an article about the hunter biden thing without getting basically flagged and of course facebook and all them are they're all throttling those posts with certain keywords and the new york post one of the oldest publications in our nation's history got their account suspended it, it was a whole ordeal that nobody could even talk about this and and that to me says more than had we just talked about it and then disagreed on it um what says more than that is the hey don't even talk about this you know that to me is like okay so they're hiding something obviously and i and i i heard similar things as i heard in 2016 like yeah hillary's a criminal yeah she should probably in, be in jail for a number of things from the clinton foundation to having her little her little private server smashing up her computer her cell phone whatever it was wiping it clean before anybody can investigate what was on the server, what could have been hacked on the server. I mean, it was just a complete crap show and nothing came of it. And it was, yeah, she should probably be in jail, but Trump's a douchebag. <laughs> Anyways, so now the same thing happening with Biden. It's like, yeah, obviously they're corrupt. They got people in Biden's family that have no experience whatsoever in the industries that they are now making a lot of money in. In foreign nations as well. But Trump's still a douchebag. Always will be a douchebag. Um, so, declassified. Let's just look at it. Let's see. That, to me, seems to be the favorable position to take. Because what harm could come from us having more information? The harm comes in when people start blocking information blacking it out, not reporting on it, and then banning anybody who will talk about it. That's the scary part. So let's talk about it. Let's let's declassify Trump. That'd be amazing. Uh, and then, of course, everybody's talking about Roswell. 
declassify the alien stuff. I want the pictures of the uh, alien test tubes and all that stuff. I think that'd be cool. There's plenty that Trump could do that I think would um, just at least show some good faith of like, hey, I really am. I came into this position as the owner of a company, owner of a brand, not a politician. And I did the best job I could, whether you liked it or not. I'm just a real dude just like you. And I appreciated that about him versus the politicians who promise everything and deliver nothing. Uh, Trump was chaotic, which was frustrating, but then also a breath of fresh air because he's, he says exactly what he's feeling, good or bad, and that was cool. But to, to wrap this topic up, I've already beaten this horse to death several times, but to wrap it up, I think the least that can be said for Trump is that he forced politicians to pick a side. I, I think he went to D.C. and he clearly drew a line in the sand and he made them decide, all right, am I on the side of the people or am I on the side of government? And there's people in both parties that are on both sides or on either side, meaning there are Republicans who are on the side of big government and then there are Republicans who are on the side of smaller government, more representative of the people. And then there's Democrats that are the same, arguably at different ratios, but that's a different topic. But because of Trump, because of that line he drew in the stand, we now know who believes what, for the most part. We know who really believes the people should hold the power. And then we know who actually believes that D.C. knows better than you do how to live your life. You know, you could, instead of being taxed so heavily, you could donate that money to a charity or a foundation. But you know what? The government knows better how to allocate those funds for you. So just... Don't give to the charity, give to the government. And so because of the political divide inherent in everything we talk about now, that puts people, just everyday people, at odds with, with one another, while the politicians keep all their power and influence. Nothing seems to really slow them down on gaining power and wealth because of their position. It's always we, the people, who suffer because we're killing each other, and we're slapping down each other, and we're silencing each other, Instead of collectively turning and remembering, there are more of us than there are of them. And there always will be, and that's the beauty of our system. But once we do settle down a little bit, I think, I hope, I pray that DC will lose its power. And we're going to watch them act in 2021 through 2024 exactly as they always have Back to the election, I, I think the, the number one thing that should have hit home with so many people, and I, I don't know why, but the fact that Biden's been in political office for decades, and now he's got all these great ideas to fix the country. And I think when people see him acting just as he always has for the next six months until they, they throw him out because he's uh, he can't complete a sentence, and then we get Kamala Harris, who, again, will do exactly, I believe, what every Democrat politician has always done, except she will take that next little step that Obama never did. And that's the dangerous part. So we got to look forward to all of that, and I think we need to look forward to 2024 when... The people need to decide, did Biden do a good job or not? Did Kamala do a good job or not? Did they just miraculously 
take office on January 20th and not another person died of COVID-19. All of a sudden, the vaccine was the best vaccine ever. And now, instead of questioning its uh, effectiveness because it it resulted from Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed, now all of a sudden, after January 20th, it's going to be the best vaccine. And not only is it the best vaccine, but you're not going to be able to walk into a public building without proof of being vaccinated. So... Uh, good times ahead of us, in my humble opinion. And so that that brings into the question, uh, what does an emboldened radical left look like? Because the fact remains, Obama was a letdown to the far left. Obama was scary to the far right, annoying to center right, annoying or he, he, he was like, uh, all right, he's just another president. He's kind of doing some good stuff to the center left. But then the far left, he was a letdown because he promised so much. He promised to fundamentally transform America. And he, he did make headway in that direction. But even with Congress in his back pocket, he didn't get a whole lot of their agenda items done. And he definitely didn't do them in a way that would provide longevity to those executive orders or whatever because then Donald Trump took office and just completely sandblasted all of it and said, get the hell out of here, basically. I'm I'm paraphrasing him there. But what we are seeing already are these calls for Trumpers and those who dare question mask mandates, who would dare question this election process, to be identified and put on lists and the right right wing news outlets, conservative news outlets have been talking and pointing out how like the AOCs and the uh, Elon Omar's are talking about these lists. And you would think that attention being put on those lists, they'd be all right, but you know, we got to, we got to chill out a little bit, but no, they're getting even more bold. And I think one of the boldest, scariest things I've seen come out of this election cycle is, well, one, it's still on Facebook, hasn't been taken down to the best of my my knowledge. But this Michigan State Representative Cynthia Johnson, who flat out threatened Trump supporters, she said some incredible things. Um, and I'm going to clear up the first couple minutes of the video that we'll get into the meat of it. But she, is, she was talking to um i guess supporters and she's saying thank you to all of you uh y'all are great whatever typical stuff and then she switched to talking to trumpers and i want you to picture the way she talks if you've ever seen the movie law-abiding citizen the actress actor who plays the uh i think the the mayor of dc or something like that um that actor, and I should have just found her name. Actually, I'm going to find her name and just edit out the silence, so bear with me. Ah, Viola Davis. She's, uh, I like her as an actor. She's awesome, but she was in The Help. She was in, trying to find some stuff that I've seen. Prisoners, that was an awesome movie. Uh, of course, Law Abiding Citizen. And I saw her in something very, very recently, but I can't remember what it was. I think it, it might have been a, a TV show or something, but anyways. Uh, oh, Suicide Squad. That's another good one. Um, her her way of acting in Law Abiding Citizen is how this Michigan State Rep Cynthia Johnson was talking about Trump supporters. So take a listen. 
Be smart. You don't have to yell. You don't have to curse anybody out. Talking about her supporters. You don't have to call people names. Hit their asses in the pocketbook. Hit them in the pocketbook. For instance, one of our bright citizens of our country in Illinois who happened to uh, voicemail me unknown, but guess what? FBI, state police, they found her. She's talking about recently she's she's claiming she's shown evidence that there are Trump supporters or whatever that are threatening her, things like that, which I get it. It's, it's scary. But when you go into political office, especially in a state like Michigan, um, I think there's a certain level of death threats that you just you got to be willing to accept and maybe not even accept. Maybe that is a little too um too harsh to, of, a, of a burden to put on her but to then flip that attitude into what she says next little unreasonable so this is just a warning to you trumpers be careful walk lightly we ain't playing with you enough of the shenanigans enough is enough and for those of you who are soldiers, you know how to do it. Do it right. Be in order. Make them pay. What the hell does that mean? I, I Every time I watch it, I'm still amazed of how just flat out just calling for, for violence or, or I don't know. She did say earlier in the video that she wants to... Um, make an impact against Trump supporters in their pocketbooks. So what does that look like? Let's give her a level of benefit of the doubt that anybody on the right would never be given. But let's say she didn't mean violence, even though she did talk about, quote, those of you who are soldiers make them pay, end quote. But let's take that metaphorically. Make them pay. She mentioned pocketbooks. So what what are they looking at doing as retribution for Trumpers, as she would put it. Others have said deplorables. Um, and really, in their mind, I think they just mean Republicans in general. But what does it mean to make them pay in their pocketbooks? Um, taxes, obviously. I'm sure we're going to see a hearkening back to the IRS of old, circa 2008 to 2016, where it was shown that IRS officials were targeting and displaying bias towards uh, conservative groups, conservative businesses, and conservative nonprofits, where the 501c3 process was taking exponentially longer than it normally would. Um, that's all fact. That's all proven. That's not disputed. And yet... How am I supposed to believe that this Joe Biden who comes into office and says, I'm going to be a president of the American people. I'm not red or blue. I'm a president for all Americans. And yet this type of speech is present in the Democrat Party. Now, to be fair, 
she was stripped of her um i don't know what you call them committee positions uh is what i'm seeing right here so whatever positions whatever committees she was on for the state of michigan she's been stripped of those as far as i know she's still holding office though um and i i i I'm sure that if she feels bold enough to put a video out there like this, I'm sure she's going to get reelected, but we'll see. That's neither here nor there. But when you've got somebody able to just flat out request that soldiers make them pay, to me, all it does is it shows a Biden victory is going to lead to a much bolder, radical left. And I can't say this enough, maybe I have, but I'll say it again. Radical left is not Democrat. The Democrat Party is trending towards the radical left in a way that makes John F. Kennedy look like a conservative Republican. But the average Democrat voter, I don't believe, sees things like this because all they watch is MSNBC and CNN. And I you know, MSNBC and CNN aren't going to report on things like this, at least not into detail. Which is why I've said before that it just really comes down to each individual educating themselves. And I, I trust me, with a nine-to-five job, I understand how difficult that can be at times. Um, so to wrap this one up, um, I saw something today that was relating or... Um, comparing this relationship between government and the people to really what it what boils down to just is a domestic sleepover like we're all just buddies here and that to me is is evidence of that fundamental transformation of America because that is not how the founders saw the relationship between government and the people they saw government as a necessary evil we have to have law and order and there has to be an institution to oversee that now granted they made that institution as subservient to the american people to the voter as possible but it's not we've gotten away from that where now we've grown this bureaucracy into this massive centralized empire now where the american people are so left out because we we can go to our state reps and try to have them make decisions for us but we're still at the mercy of those in in political power to to listen to us and it's it feels like a helpless position to be in i'm tired of seeing that relationship or that comparison being made so kindly I would liken it more to like a business relationship where you go into business with somebody that you believe at that moment all right I think I can trust this person. But if you've ever gone into business with anybody, you know a business partnership is the hardest relationship ever because not only is there an incentive to do business well, there's an extra incentive to cheat because now there's this monetary thing. It's like, well, okay, he's focusing on the marketing and all that over there. I'm handling the cash in, cash out. Maybe I can just uh, you know, swipe a couple pennies here and there. And so as, as much as you want to trust that partner, in the end, there are safeguards in place for that inevitable day when somebody tries to cheat. And in this case, we're being told 
that with the 2020 election, cheating is impossible and that we should just shut up about it. Well, no. I think they're going to learn very quickly that we're not going to shut up about it. And even if you disagree with me politically, I don't think you should shut up about it because as our next topic will illustrate very, very firmly, there are pissed off people in every single state. There are pissed off Democrats who are pissed off at other Democrats. There are pissed off Republicans that are pissed off at Republicans and everybody's pissed off at everybody, but it boils down to freedom and our freedoms got trampled on. Because of COVID-19. So I'm going to play a video of this business owner who is having his business shut down. He's not going to be able to play his empl- pay his employees because of these public health inspectors that are just, meh, your license is revoked. Let's listen to this. This is a four-minute video. I'm not sure if I'll play the whole thing. But the meat of it is in this first half. Let's go. I risk a chance of never being able to open a restaurant for following the rules. Right. So this is what we're risking when we continue to protest in this way. That so the first voice is the restaurant owner. The second voice is one of the health inspectors. The the man who came in. He's he's with a female. She's on her phone at this point in the video. But. This is what we see when we see these types of protests. The condescending attitude, him talking down this little person who works for local government, walking in here, he's walking into another man's business and telling him that it's being shut down. Not saying, hey, you can make your case or whatever, just saying, here's the order, you're being shut down. And he's got the balls to be condescending in this way. It's amazing. I'm not protesting right now. My tables are inside. I'm following the rules. Do you understand that? They're talking right now, the health officials. But what the business owner is saying there is, so I think it was the Friday previously, they had said, hey, you're out of code. You've got your tables outside. So we need you to put your tables and chairs inside. Like, first of all, I don't know how that makes sense. They've... In California specifically, they've they've allowed a certain amount of outdoor seating to keep these businesses up and running. It was sort of a compromise between government and these small businesses saying we need to stop the spread. But at the same time, we know you all need to stay in business. So just have some outdoor seating and businesses put thousands and thousands of dollars into this outdoor seating. We talked about that in another California case last episode where she was shut down after she had put in all this outdoor seating and tents and heaters and things like that. And then a film production company literally across the street had the exact same setup and they had not been closed down. We'll need to get an update on that one uh, for sure. Cause that, that was infuriating as well. Let's keep going here. We're trying to help you. How are you trying? To, does this seem like you're trying to help me? Does this seem like you're trying to help me? We're trying to explain to you the steps you need to take so that you can be in compliance. But the point is, I got steered in the wrong direction this morning from your supervisor. Don't tell me no because I haven't recorded. Okay, you can, like James said, you can argue that point. You can go to court, argue that point. If that's your plan is to file lawsuits, you will have your opportunity to present everything. We're here to tell you what needs to be done so that you can get your permit reinstated. And at this point, the, this lady who's speaking 
one of the two health inspectors. She's got her phone out. And she's recording this as well because the restaurant owner, there are people standing outside watching this happen. Everybody's putting this on Facebook Live and whatever. Um, yeah. Wait, we're obviously not communicating. We're going to leave everything for you in writing. We're going to make note that you're refusing to sign because you're not willing to... I'm refusing, I'm refusing to sign because I, I need a lawyer to look at all of this. You think I'm going to just sign documents that you guys are giving me? It's, it's, not, it's not evident guilt. When you sign this citation, doesn't matter. Doesn't what this matter. means is that you've received it. I'm it, not signing anything admitting, until I have my lawyer look at it. Without admitting any guilt, you're not admitting any guilt. doesn't matter. I'm okay. not signing anything until I have my lawyer look at this. It's a promise to appear at the place where you can make your arguments. Okay. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to go ahead and play the remaining three minutes of this video. If you don't feel like listening to the rest of it, just fast forward three minutes. Until my lawyer has seen all of this. I'm glad you're here to get all this. By the way, he's from, they have a media outlet. Just, just by coincidence, I was getting interviewed by them when you guys came. And I'm so glad this all happened because now the whole of the U.S. can see how Ventura County Health Department is treating restaurants. You think, you think, you think, you think, you think people are going to come and respect Missouri County anymore after all of this? You're not. You're not helping at all. I followed the rule. Ever since you guys came here, I put everything inside. I've been following that rule. And instead of you guys saying, you know what? Thank you for following the rules. You're making it more difficult on me. You're not. You're not following the rules. I'm not following the rules. What rule am I not following right now? What rule am I not following right now? What? What rule am I not following right now? Because of what? Listen. Why am I? Why am I operating under not a valid permit? I'm not. You're not running. I'm asking you a question. Why did you pull his permit? Why did you pull my permit? Why did you pull my permit? Why won't you answer the question? Why was I out of compliance? Why are you asking me? Because you don't know what you the citation, so you should know what I did wrong. What did I do wrong? Tell me what I did wrong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm following the rules right now. And I've been following the rules. That's why she cannot say anything. There's people standing outside the business now talking to the health inspector. Okay. How do you guys feel about forcing nuisance tyrannical rules shutting down Who's businesses? Minions? How do you guys sleep at night? Who's forcing people into debt, closing down businesses. How do you guys do this? So this is Anton at Nick the Greek. I'm the owner of Nick the Greek and uh, the health department came by and has asked me to put all my tables inside. Otherwise they would have closed my business. I just did put all my tables inside and now they're saying they're still going to close my business because I had tables outside today. So I don't know how to fight this, but I'm going to try to figure out a way how to fight this. Um, I don't know what to do. We'll see what happens, but... This is, this is the support that you get from the health department and the government these days. We're already under so much stress and pressure to try and keep ourselves afloat and open. And even though we're complying now by putting all our chairs and tables inside, they're still doing this. Look at this. This is how ridiculous everything has become. If anybody can help me, please help me.
wow. Every every time I watch that video, it's just it's it goes from see, look, I told you so, to oh my god, what country are we living in? to anger and this time watching it looking at that dude looking at his eyes as he's saying if anybody can help me i need help it was a plea and and that to me is just sad it's so sad to watch gavin newsom sit around a table with his buddies maskless and then his policies leading to a business being closed and that's happening across the country Thank God I live in Texas where Governor Abbott said we're not doing that bullcrap in this state. It's it's scary, but at the same time, as I mentioned, it fills me with some hope because I think the country's eyes, the people's eyes are being opened to the fact that there are people in power, Democrat and Republican, right now, obviously, Democrats on the side of mask mandates and lockdowns. There are people on that side of the argument that don't actually believe what they're saying, but they know I need to be hard against COVID because Donald Trump is taking it lightly, and that's how the news media portrays it. And I think it can be completely encapsulated in when that lady health inspector says, we're trying to help you. Like, holy crap, you are closing his business. You're delivering the news of his business being closed. And when he asks why, she says, why are you asking me? The whole time she's talking to him like he's a small child. This is a job creator. This is somebody with a small restaurant, but with a very successful restaurant from all the from how it looks and she's got the balls to and he and her partner whatever you want to call them the little pair of health inspectors have the balls to just walk up and say your business is being closed you cannot ask questions good day and it it to me it looks like some of the one of the worst things i've ever seen to be honest but Now, because of social media, because of the internet, which, of course, the left really wants to start regulating, but now everybody has seen it. Everybody knows, okay, these lockdowns are ruining people. They're ruining families and businesses and jobs. It's not the rich who are getting hurt through this. It's the normal people who depend on a job. Even if that job is just making Greek food, they need that job to pay their bills. So it's it's a very sad infuriating circumstance to be put in but that being said with people awake now more awake than they have been i think we're going to see some good things coming in 2022 for the senate election and i think 2024 i hope and pray would be a blowout against the ideas of mask mandates lockdowns indiscriminate just closures of entire cities and I think the the country can only win by just getting back to normal and saying, screw COVID, I'm going to live my life, you know? So that's all I've got for you today. Some honorable mentions, some articles you should check out. Um, there's a Fox News article to from today. Biden aide calls GOP a bunch of 
uh, I'm not going to say it, but F-U-C-K-E-R-S. I'll spell it out for you. There you go. While praising his call for unity. And that's something I, I've brought up multiple times. You can't speak out of one side of your mouth saying, I'm a, I'm a president for all Americans. And now the other side, you're bringing in a bunch of people to your administration who resent the GOP, who resent the Republican voter, resent conservatives, resent the Tea Party, resent anybody who would dare question the voice of the government. So how can you be a unifying president if you fundamentally disagree with half of the country on the basic principles of our society, of our country, of our constitution, of our bill of rights? There's a Washington Washington Post article titled "For Women with Doctorates: The Washington, The Wall Street Journal." I'm going to try this again. Holy crap! <laughs> there is a Washington Post article from yesterday, and it's titled "For Women with Doctorates: The Wall Street Journal Op-Ed About Jill Biden Was No Surprise." And that op-ed was talking about how Jill Biden should drop Doctor Jill Biden because she's got like an honorary degree from forever ago from a, a university that now she's a doctor and it's like okay with, with your friends like yeah okay dr jill let's call dr jill funny when you're walking into the white house demanding people call you a doctor that it's a little condescending but yeah anyways that's a fun read i encourage you to read um two articles here that I talked today. There's a Daily Caller article. That's where I got the video for the uh, business owner who's having his restaurant closed down. Very enlightening. Uh, and then there's a the Hill article, and that's the one with the Michigan legislator who gave the warning to Trump supporters, and she was stripped of her committee seats. So check that one out. Um, and then something to look into. I might have brought it up last episode. I haven't had a chance to really research anything yet. And I haven't heard much more about it since. But uh, this is a CBC News article titled Canada's Ties to China's Military Underscore the Weird Contradictions in Its Foreign Policy. So that is talking about their, Canada allowed China to come in and use Canada's land essentially to conduct cold environment military strategy planning things like that what the hell is canada doing with chinese military it, it makes absolutely no sense the chinese military is something to be scared of or um fought <laughs> you, you might say and yet trudeau is letting canada come over and conduct war games and it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to so check that out um, that's that's all I got for you today. I, I appreciate you tuning in. We're at episode 11. I, I want to start cranking these out faster. I need to see some, uh, some feedback from y'all listeners. I need you to start sharing the Facebook. Not because I get anything out of it. I don't have sponsors. I will encourage you to go to www.blackrifflecoffee.com. But I have no sponsors. Nobody giving me any money for anything I'm saying right now. In order for me to keep doing that, I need you to share. I need you to let me know what you think about the show. I need you to rate the show. We are on um, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on um, Amazon Music. We are on iHeartRadio. We are on Pandora. So if we're not where you need us to be, let me know. I'll try to get on that platform. But once you've listened to a few shows, let me know what you think. Do you like the way I'm presenting my ideas? Do you hate it? I, I want to know it all. I need your feedback. So, um, again, thank you for listening. Episode 11 of the, of the Point B Podcast. This was your midweek update. I'll see you on Friday for your Friday debrief. Take care.